Welcome to the sermon podcast of Damascus Road Church. For more information about Damascus Road Church, go to damascusroadonline.com. To the Father, we're just going to turn right into it, okay? Um, I, lots and lots of people throughout time have said, how do I make good decisions? I want to make good decisions. I want to uh, make the right decisions. Uh, if you're spiritual or if you're like somebody who believes in God and follows him, walks with Jesus... You would say, I want to know what God wants me to do in every, any different situation, right? I want to make a decision that would honor him and go with him. So what would God have me do? I had a, uh, a teacher one time. Um, some of you guys have heard of Andy Stanley. I don't know him personally, but I'd call him a teacher in my life, like one of those like uh, from a distance teachers, love what he's written, love what he's uh, spoken. He's, he talked about when it comes to making decisions, uh, Often a more helpful term than what does God want me to do, because that can feel like I, that's a far out there question. Um, he said often a more helpful term or a more helpful question is what's the wise thing to do? What is wise? If I'm coming to uh, a crossroads in decision making and I want to do something that honors God, I want to do something that's best for my life, best for other people's lives, what is the wise thing to do? But there's a problem with that question. As helpful as it is, there's more than one kind of wisdom in the world, right? There's more than one kind of wisdom. Proverbs 14, 12 says, There is a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. So this is what the Bible would call, like, the world's wisdom. Like, you could put that in. We're in a day and age where, like, hashtag my truth is going all over the place. And I'd put my truth in a category of the world's wisdom. It seems right to you, but it could lead to death. Like, hashtag my truth is really a hollow facade unless it's anchored in God's truth. Let me say that again. Hashtag my truth is just a hollow facade unless it's anchored in God's truth. It doesn't give it more credibility. I'm glad people can be open and honest, but that doesn't make it wisdom. Not a godly kind of wisdom, right? Anchoring ourselves in God's wisdom is where we start. Isaiah 55, 8. God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. So the way that we would sometimes commonly answer a question, God says, I don't always think that way. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. And Romans 12, 2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world. That is, this world has a way of answering questions and making decisions that you should separate yourself from. Don't just give in to the way the world works. Don't conform to the pattern of this world. It says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Tony Tony is kind of a uh, in-process example of that, right? So for a long time, he lived in shame. He lived, you could hear him this morning saying, I thought I was just an addict. That's the story of my life. And then Romans 12, 2 says, no, no, hold on. Don't conform to that. Don't just settle into that. That's what the world might tell you, but don't, don't do that. Listen to what God has to say to you. The amount of love that God has for you and how he can transform you. Once you open your mind up to listening to him, he can transform you. And Tony is a transformation right in front of us. Our goal is not to be our best selves. Our goal is not to live my truth. 
Our goal is to follow Jesus straight to the Father, finding our identity in Him, and then trusting in God's character enough to submit to Him, to submit and surrender right to God. We love God, we recognize, because He first loved us. And we listen to Him and His wisdom as we navigate our daily lives. So we're in this series, listening to the Father, and we started with, where are we coming from? We've got kind of baggage that we bring to God, right? We've got earthly dads. Some of them represented God well, and yet not, not nearly enough. Some of them were horrible representations of God, and like a lot, we carry a lot of pain. And in either of those cases, we say, we bring that to God. We say, God, rewrite the story of Father. Rewrite my understanding of who you are. We bring our stuff to God. And then the second part of the series has been understanding God's character, understanding what he's like. What is the father like? What does he look like? What does he sound like? And now we're moving into the third part to say, okay, very practically, if you understand your own stuff coming to God, and if you understand the character of God, what does it look like? What does it sound like to hear God in your life? We want to take a look at some really uh, practical, this is what God sounds like in your life. Okay? So we're going to read James today. We're going to jump into James. In James 1.5, he says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Now, this assumes that we lack wisdom, right? Anybody here? True of, that true of you? You lack wisdom? Okay, come on. I'm not the only one. You find yourselves in positions where you're like, I don't know the answer. I don't, I don't know the right thing to do. I don't know what I should do right now. That's lacking wisdom. That doesn't mean like you're spoiled. That doesn't mean you're just uh, a loaf. That means I don't know. I come to situations where I, I don't know what the wise thing to do is. James 1.5 says, if you lack wisdom, if you lack wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. We often lack knowledge, and we lack perspective, and we lack experience, and our limitations lead us to a lack of wisdom. We try to answer it on our own, and we often then end up just following worldly wisdom. Well, what would the world say? What would, what would people just say I should do? But God has more for us. God has all knowledge. God has all perspective, and God has all experience. Jesus came when he, was, when he got off his throne fully God and came and became also fully human. He walked through all the same temptations that we have. So there's actually not a temptation that we walk through. And I would say, in the greater picture, a decision-making process that we walk through that Jesus didn't also experience. So he's not only God and all-knowing, but like as a human, he walked through it too, okay? It's like double experience points. Jesus has it all. And so we can look to him and we can say, I lack wisdom, will you give it to me? And what does James say is God's answer? Yes, yes. Is it, is it a reluctant yes? No, it's not like, yes, generously, yes, I love that. I love that you came and asked me, should you feel bad about lacking wisdom? No. We just go to God and ask, right? And then 
uh, it also comes with a challenge. James does. He says in verse 6, But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the person who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Okay, so James has a way of sounding real harsh, right? Let me, let's unpack what he's saying, because I don't think it is as harsh as maybe it could come across to us at first. So when he says, you must believe, this word that James uses here is the same word as faith, okay? You got to have faith. So a word uh, that shows up in like Hebrews 11:6. without faith, it's impossible to please God, okay? So lots of people run around in life trying to please God. Like, I want to I live a good life. I want to do my best. I want to please God. How does God say we please him? By trusting in him. It's really that simple. By believing in who he is and who he says we are. We trust him enough that we would follow him, right? That pleases him. Trust pleases him more than like saying, I want to do this so that you'd be pleased. That doesn't get it, okay? We trust. So you got to believe. you got to trust. You have to have faith that he actually is going to answer you, right? It, so James 1.6 comes after what? James 1.5, right? So if you lack wisdom, ask, and he'll give it to you. And believe that he'll give it to you, okay? If you doubt, and this, this word doubt is uh, really interesting, It's the same word as uh, it shows up in Acts 10, verse 20, when it says, rise and go without hesitation. Okay, So God is talking to Peter here, and he says, I have something for you. I want you to get up from where you are, and I want you to go here without doubt, without hesitation. That's how the Bible translates it, right? So there's an action involved. There's a posture involved. It's not like I'm trapped in my head. Will God actually answer? It's Peter, get up and go. Don't hesitate. Hesitation means you're standing back and not really going. So without doubt, without hesitation, the same word shows up in James 2.4. said, have you not made distinctions among yourselves? It's talking about uh, a church that was getting pretty judgy and putting some people here, and putting some people here. And the word, you've made distinctions among yourselves, is you've doubted one another, right? So it's like separating, like, I don't know if this is good, or I don't know if you're good, or like that kind of thing. And so you can see, without hesitation, and like not dividing, how somebody who would believe is just somebody who's all in, to say, I want to hear from you. And I believe that you can. And if you show up and I think you're talking to me, I'm going to go with that. I'm going to go with it. I don't have to say, is that really you? Now, you probably wouldn't answer me. I'm probably not good enough for you to answer me, right? No, I think I hear from you. We'll test that in a little bit. But I'm going to go with that. I'm going to go with that. The same word shows up in Romans 4.20. No unbelief made him waver, right? So, Doubt is not like the, um, like the story where the man comes to Jesus and says, if you can, will you heal my kid? And Jesus says, if. Like, uh, yeah, I can do that. And then he says, Any, all things are possible to him who believes. And the man says, I do believe. Help my unbelief. 
right? So faith and doubt can coexist. That's not, I don't think, what James is talking about here. The doubt that James is talking about is saying, God, would you give me wisdom? Yes, I have it here for you. Oh, you probably wouldn't. God, would you, would you please come and meet me in this moment? Yes, I would love to meet you in this moment. No, that's probably not you. Okay? It's that kind of thing where you're, you've, you've seen people like this, where they ask a question and they don't listen to the answer. You guys been with people like that? They ask you something, and in the middle of your statement, they're already doing something else. They're peeling potatoes. They're like, they forgot that they asked you a question. We're like, oh, I guess that wasn't a question. Like, that's the kind of stuff that James is talking about. If you ask God a question, listen for the answer. And he would love to meet you in that spot. He would love to meet you in that spot. But don't ask him a question and walk away saying, see, I got nothing from God. That's exactly what James says you'll get. You'll get nothing if you walk away without waiting and listening for God to show up. You will get what you ask for. So we stand on these foundations. God is love. And God is wise. And God is pursuing me. Like Tracy talked about last week. In him, I have my true identity. And when I ask to hear from him, he delights in that. God is generous and he doesn't look down on us when we admit we don't know it all. And we swing on that pendulum often. We'll swing from one side saying, I know all the answers. If I just kind of like pull myself up, ask my friends, we can come up with the right answer, really super confident in our own wisdom and knowledge, right? We swing from being overconfident to being kind of pitiful. Like, oh, I couldn't ever hear from God. I, he wouldn't ever talk to me. And James says, I don't want you to waver. I don't want you to, I don't want you to get knocked back and forth by the wind. Don't be either too confident or not confident enough that God would meet you, right? Go to God. Sit down and wait until he answers you. And he loves that posture. You don't have to beat yourself up and you don't have to beat your chest to prove it. God loves when we come from him. Okay, so from there, I lack wisdom. God has it and he wants to give it to me. So how do I discern God's wisdom from worldly wisdom or what just seems right to me? James keeps going. In James 3, uh, starting in verse 13, he says, Who is wise? So, like, now we're going to apply it. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is, first of all, pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness." So first, if you want to recognize wisdom, if you want to see wisdom in others, look for the actions that come from it. If you want to know what heart, God's wisdom doesn't look like, you can see it right there. And see it in verse, where is 
is harboring bitterness. 14, harboring bitterness and selfish ambition. That's what God's wisdom doesn't look like. That stuff, James says, is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. I, I love this about James. Like, he doesn't mince words. He's, he's like, that's demonic. Harboring bitterness. That's not going to get you anywhere. And that's, that's not only not good for you. James goes, like, straight to the core. That's the enemy talking. Like, if, the, if you hear the answer, what should I do in this situation? And the answer is harbor bitterness. That's not God. That will never be God. That will not ever produce anything that is good and healthy in your life. Harboring bitterness is never a word that God will speak to you. Nor is selfish ambition. That's not the way God works. That's not the way God uh, encourages. That's not the way God challenges. That's not the way God leads us. Like harboring bitterness and selfish ambition just are not going to be answers that the voice of God gives you. He just calls it out, James does. Harboring bitterness sounds like he deserves it. I'm going to hold a grudge. I can't believe she did that. I'm going to hold on to that for a long, long time. That sound like God? No. That sounds good sometimes, right? Like, we know that feeling. We, like, I want to stick it to that person. I'm just going to, every chance I I'm going to give them eyes, or I'm going to do things that would disrupt. Like, I am going to hold on to that. It'll be a weapon in my belt that I can bring out, but it's not from God. So as much as it seems appealing to you, if you're asking God for wisdom and you want his life to grow in you, that's not going to be the answer. Run away from that. And then selfish ambition. That sounds like doing something solely for what you get out of it, right? Ambition's good. I want to work hard. I want to, like, get stuff done. There is a kind of ambition that is good. God loves hard work. All the way back in the garden, he made people, and he said, here's the garden, work it. Here's the garden, tend to it. Like, plant stuff and, like, watch over the animals and care for the world. Like, you are here to, like, watch over this stuff. I'm making you a steward. That means it's his, but I'm in charge of it, right? And I have to give an account to him, the owner, as for the work that I've done. So God loves work. He just doesn't love work that only is about me. I'm going to do this so that I get. It starts to go down the road. That's selfish ambition. And if it goes far enough, selfish ambition becomes, I will use whatever means necessary. I will hurt whomever necessary to get what I want. Does that sound like God? No, that doesn't. We're talking about the God who saw us Selfish ambition would have been like, oh, I'm going to wash my hands and step away. Right? What, what did God do? I love them so much and they're so far away. I'm going to send Jesus. And Jesus is like, sign me up. I will go. I will get them back. Did it cost him? Absolutely it cost him. Was it selfish? No. There's, you, can't, you can't argue that. What Jesus did for you and for me was the farthest thing from selfishness. Did he work hard for it? He did. 
Like it cost them a lot. But it's not selfish ambition. So selfish ambition and harboring bitterness. James said, that's not from God. Get those out. Unspiritual, worldly, earthly, demonic. Like that's not God. Now, some people boast about those things. I'm really, really good at holding a grudge. I'm really good at manipulating others to get what I want. I'm not sure that we should boast about those things. James actually says, don't do that. You have a question. Yeah, let's talk about this afterward. Bobby is bringing up a cool question. Here's, here's the question. What about somebody that's just unhealthy in my life? Do I have to continue to like reach out and trust them? And I'll say real quick, and we can follow up about this later, harboring bitterness is different than trust, right? You, you can say, I'm not going to harbor bitterness against you, but that doesn't mean I'm going to trust you, right? But it's the same thing because he does both. Like, Who does both? He does. Bobby does both. Yeah, so, Bobby, you got to work that out in your own life. You want to get rid of bitterness while only trusting safe people. We can talk about this later, okay? All right, let's have a follow-up conversation. Can we do that? Yeah. Good. We don't, we don't need to diss on them. Some people can boast about being really good at harboring bitterness. Some people can boast about how much selfish ambition they have, how much they can manipulate to get others to do what they want to benefit themselves. And James says, don't do that. Here's what we ought to do. That's not what the Father sounds like. That's a scarcity mindset. The Father has more than enough to give us, and he loves to take care of us. So... James says, um, do, you remember, do, you remember, uh, do you remember when Tracy was talking last week and she brought up Revelation 3.20? It's like Jesus is standing at the door knocking. He's like, I want you to open up so that we can sit down together as friends and have a meal and like, be together. And he's talking not to people who are not Jesus followers. He's talking to Jesus followers in that. So the, there's a way for Jesus followers to shut the door in their life to Jesus. Right? We're walking with Jesus, but then we say, no, I don't want all of you. I don't want you in all parts of my life. And wisdom says, open that up. God says, open that. You, you are safe to open all the parts up to me. It's okay. Do you, want, do you want to hide from God? If, that's, if you answer yes to that, then I think you haven't yet really understood who God is. Right? When we stay hidden, it's because we don't think God could possibly love those broken parts in me. And that's just not true. God gives us the freedom to open up and to come to him to not have to hide because his love will never run dry. So we don't have to go down the road of selfish ambition 
or harboring bitterness. We don't have to go down the road of hiding or boasting about earthly wisdom. James identifies uh, what the voice of the Father really does sound like. In James 3.17, wisdom that comes from heaven. So when you ask God for wisdom, he'll give it to you. Wisdom that comes from heaven is, first of all, pure. And then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, good fruit, impartial, and sincere. So I want to go through these and uh, talk through each one just a little bit. Here's the deal. If you're asking God to show up in your life, he's never going to argue with himself, right? God is not two-faced. God is sincere. God is, uh, he's got full integrity. So if he's already said something, and if he's already said, if you want wisdom from me, this is what it looks like, then we can go back to that and still use it today, right? So God give me wisdom will sound like these things. First of all, pure. That means uh, it can approach God. It's not tainted. It's not stained. It doesn't have ulterior motives. There's no reason to hide. It won't conflict with Scripture, right? Pure just means like you can see it there. It's not spoiled. It's not spoiled. So if you, if you get an answer, God, what should I do in this situation? And you get an answer and you're like, eh, there's some yuck in that. Or I would have to hide part of me in order to like do that part. That's, that's not really pure. I'm not sure that that's really what God is getting at. He wants you to just like be true. Okay? Second is peace loving. Peace loving here. This is a fun experiment, by the way. If you're reading the Bible and you come to a term and you're like, what does that mean? Peace loving is fairly self-explanatory. But uh, I would encourage you to use multiple translations. You can get online. You got them all at your fingertips, okay? So when I did this, when I was working on this, um, we're reading the New International Version right now. I also looked at the English Standard Version. Uh, then I dipped into the New Living translation. And then just for giggles, I went to the message because they have a, he's got, Eugene Peterson has this poetic way of doing it. And then I went to the Amplified, okay? Amplified isn't my favorite um, because I think it can be a little bit confusing. It does the words of the Bible, but then it, it, it does these parentheses, which add, they're, they're trying to add fuller understanding and fuller meaning back into the, the original context. But we need to understand that the parentheses are human added. That's not what God initially said, even though usually I think it really does get to the point of what God's trying to communicate, okay? So, uh, like, you look at all the different translations, and you see twists on different words that give you a fuller understanding of what God is trying to say. So, peace-loving is really talking about peace with others. It's a relational kind of peace. It's not just inner peace, okay? Though I think that's a component of it. Do you have peace with yourself? I have a relationship with myself, right? You know what it is to be at war with yourself. Are you at peace with yourself? Are you at peace with others? And are you at peace with God? Okay? Peace-loving is all three of those. It means right relationships. Peace-loving means I'm thinking of others. I'm not only thinking of myself. So God, what would you have me do in this situation? Or what do you want to say to me in this situation? He says, I want you to think only of yourself. That's probably not something God's going to say. Okay? He might tell you, pull back for a season so that you can tend to your soul. Right? You need to break away from some people in your life. And if it hurts them, that's okay. I need to deal with you right now. That's different than just getting what you want. 
right? So peace-loving, and then it goes to gentle. Gentle means kind or not harsh, not overpowering. If you look at the different translations, this is cool. Some actually just say not overpowering. So to be gentle is to be generous with others in the way that we treat them. How, how, how are we to treat people who are uh, rough spots in our life? God will always say be gentle. That doesn't mean wimpy. That doesn't mean pushover. That doesn't mean doormat. There is a way to have strong convictions and stand up for yourself and be gentle at the same time. Right? You can be kind to others while also standing strong. Submissive. This is not a very popular word. Okay? Wisdom from God is to be submissive. Now, Part of why it's not a popular word is because we wrecked it. God didn't wreck it, okay? The Bible didn't wreck the word. We wrecked the word because of our misunderstanding of it. So here's a test where if you get into Scripture and you start like looking at different translations, the NIV says submissive, but other ones will say reasonable or open to reason. That, that brings a little twist on the word. It's not just somebody told me to do it, so I have to do it, right? But somebody who's open to conversation. This would be an, a non-submissive person. La, 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 I'm not going to listen to anybody, right? Somebody who's submissive in this context would be, okay, I'm going to engage in conversation. I will listen to you. Willing to yield to others. If that, if that seems then to be the good and right thing, I will yield. I, I don't just have to get my way, Right? It is not, I think, less of myself, or I think poorly of myself, so I, I just need to like do what you say. But I will step back and like, you know, you've all you've all been in an intersection where somebody didn't yield when they ought to have, right? And what's your reaction to that? Kindness. Right? <laughs> Kindness is our response, usually, right? Road rage is a thing because other people screwed it up, not me. Right? Willing to yield is just to say, your turn. Your turn to shine. Yep. Be thankful no accident happened. If you stopped, uh, you avoided a collision. That actually is what submission can look like in relationships. If you both go head on, there's going to be a collision. There are times where you could say, all right, your turn. Now, if both of you are operating like that in relationship, that gets to be a fun dance. If one person never submits and the other person always does, is that healthy? No. What's the answer to that? I'm not going to submit anymore? No. It's, you can't do that for that person. right? But God would say, like, be open to reason. Be open to talking. Be willing to yield if that's the healthy thing to do. James says, wisdom from above, wisdom from God, sounds like it's full of mercy and good fruit. So it's like overflowing with mercy for others. It says, love covers over a multitude of sins. Okay? Again, there, somebody messes up. You're not like sticking it to them. You're like, all grace, man. That doesn't mean you take sin lightly. That just, just, just means you recognize we can't shame people out of sin, Amen. right? And grace is the only thing powerful enough to really deal with our sin. 
Jesus didn't say, fix yourself up and then I'll have mercy on you. He came to us when we were a wreck. And so even when people are a wreck, like we'll give them mercy. Okay, not to run through healthy boundaries, but we'll give them mercy and forgiveness. That's what, that's what wisdom from, a God, from above sounds like. Good fruit, some translations just say good deeds. Like you can see it. You can tell something is good or you can tell something is spoiled. It's overflowing with uh, mercy and good fruit. Impartial, James says. This is not showing favoritism. One translation says not wavering, right? Not hot one day and cold the next. That's the literal translation from the message, right? So impartial is saying, like, I know that you're going to judge fairly. I know that you're not going to give one person this answer and another person another answer because you like them better or you don't like them or you just want to stick it, you know, like, it's just pretty consistent, right? And then sincere builds on that. <laughs> to be sincere means to not be two-faced. And what you see is what you get. When you go to God, he doesn't like pull punches. He will show you himself. He will give you himself and it will be sincere. God is full of integrity. And then you can have that too. If God gives you an answer or you think you hear from God in a way that would lessen your sincerity with others, that's not from God, right? If you have to hide or if you have to lie, if you have to cover it up, that's not the answer. In this paragraph, James describes the Father's voice. This is how God speaks to us. His voice is pure. His voice is peace-loving. His voice is submissive. Like God reasons with us. He talks with us. And he'll let us go and do our own thing, right? Full of mercy and good fruit. God's voice is impartial and God's voice is sincere. If you're asking God for his wisdom, it will sound like this. You want to know what that produces? James says in verse three, or chapter 3, verses 17 and 18, the wisdom that comes from God is, first of all, pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Then he says, peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Like you live this way, you hear this from God, and you walk this out, the harvest of righteousness. And righteousness doesn't mean holier than thou. Right? When the Bible talks about har uh, the harvest of righteousness, it means relationships are made right. You will have right relationships as you hear from God and follow this stuff out. You will have right relationships with God. You with God, that will be right. You with yourself, you will be at peace within yourself because you're listening to God and like following through on that. And then you will have more and more and more rightness in your relationships with others. Once you receive it, you can give it. So I want to apply that right here. I don't want to just kind of speak this out at you and then say, amen, go away. I want to apply it. I ask the question, what do you think God is saying to you right now? I'm going to take a look at this verse in uh, 17. James 3:17. The wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Do you look at that list? Is there something that you feel like God highlights for you? Hold on, I want to grab that. 
want to point that out. If you look at it, you might even like see it in bold right now, like it's standing out just for you. Or it might be quieter. It might be more subtle. It could be your brain just being drawn to a word. Is it a word of invitation that he has just for you? Come, let me speak this to you. Is he inviting you to, to offer you something in this list for somebody else? Like, is he inviting you to give this away? It could be for you. It could be for you to give to somebody else. Is he correcting a misunderstanding? Maybe you have thought his voice was different. Or maybe you have relied on earthly wisdom. I want you to think of those three relationships with God, with yourself, and with others. Do you hear God saying something to you? You can even think back over this past week. Moments that have come that didn't, didn't feel quite right. Or even great moments that God would say, yes, you know why it was great? Because it was this. Let him highlight something to you. And then if you feel like he's highlighting one of these, he's not doing it, again, from a place of shame or of like, you better get this right. He's doing it as a, I have this for you. I have this for you. And he will fill you up. You don't have to live out of a scarcity mindset. If I do this, then I won't have enough. God will always have enough for you. If he's saying something to you now, the question becomes then how, how do you respond to that? If you feel like you look at this list and see God, hear God saying, right here, let, open the door and let me come in. Let's do this together. How do you respond? And I want you to think about today and I want you to think about the coming week. And I want you to think of a way that you could listen to that and then put something into practice. It may be in your relationship with God. It may be just in yourself. It may be in a relationship with somebody else. What's something this week that you could do in a response to what God is saying to you right now? This isn't like a should, you better go out and do this, or God's going to be upset with you. But I've, I think if we hear God, our right response is to say, yes, I want to do that. If I trust you, if I know you're good, I can say yes, even sometimes if it's hard. You guys got something? So, like, I see nods, which is amazing, which says, like, God's in the room speaking. I don't think we want to make light of that. God's in the room speaking, and we want to say thank you. And if you're not there, if you're like, oh, I don't know if I hear, heard anything, let me give you a challenge this week. Sit in James 3.17 and ask the question, God, what are you highlighting for me? What do you want me to see? What do you want me to hear? And how could I respond to that? James 1 says, if we lack, go to him and he's generous. Okay, I'm going to trust you on that. Show me what you don't want me to see. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you are generous. We thank you that you have all knowledge and all perspective and all experience. We thank you that you, you don't harbor bitterness 
And you aren't about selfish ambition yourself. But you are merciful. And you are kind. And you are selfless. That you come and you love us over and over and over. You pursue us. And you give to us. And when we call out to you, you say you are generous in answering. We find ourselves often in places where we need wisdom from you. Not just what we can make up, not just what the world would tell us. We need to hear from you. And you say that you give us that, that you answer, that you don't sit back and hide. So right now in this place, we say thank you. Thank you for answering. Thank you for highlighting. Thank you for speaking to us. And if we're unsure of that, I, I pray that you would reassure us this week as we come to you. Give us belief. We really trust that you want, you want to penetrate into us so that we can hear from you. Thank you for doing that. Help us to say yes to you. Help us to trust you enough to say yes and to live the kind of life that you have for us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.